What's going on, everyone? Thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Kicking Out at 2 this week as we are in full WrestleMania season mode where we're going to bring you part one of a two-part series for our WrestleMania MVPs. We're going to go down from WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania 17, 1985 to 2001 and give you who brought their MVP performances to that WrestleMania. You know, Major League Sports, NBA, NFL... MLB, the NHL, they all have MVPs for their championship game, and so do we here on Kicking Out at Two when it comes to WrestleMania. So Justin's going to be joining me shortly. We're going to cover all all the the the, the MVPs of WrestleManias one through seventeen this week here on Kicking Out at Two. And if you guys have an MVP that you would like to elect, then hit us up on social media: Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two. Hit the like button if you haven't already. If you have, hit the like button. Tell a friend. To hit the like button and tell a friend to tell us who's your WrestleMania MVP. It could be anyone. It could be a match, it could be an individual, it could be a, a performance, a moment, whatever the case may be. Let us know who your WrestleMania MVP is over on social media. And do the same for our Twitter handle as well. Our handle is at Kicking Out 2, K I C K N O U T and the number 2. All the fun we got going on on Facebook, we got going on on Twitter. And let us know who your WrestleMania MVP is. And this wouldn't be a WrestleMania themed podcast if we didn't announce that we're going to be joining the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network with Kobe Nida from Marking Out the Days, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, Kicking Out of Two is joining the fun, and that network's going to launch Wrestlemania Weekend. That's right, we're going to have unlimited content for you starting Wednesday with Kicking Out of Two, going all the way to Wrestlemania Sunday. And don't forget to stay tuned in the coming weeks for more information regarding the launch of that network. And now let's get into the heart of matter with WrestleMania MVPs. WrestleMania MVPs Part 1. Joining me this week uh, to, to navigate through all the uh, most valuable players in WrestleMania history from WrestleMania's 1 through 17, that's 1985 to 2001, is the shot caller of Kicking Out at 2. My brother Justin, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm doing well. I'm uh, pretty excited for this one. Um, you know, giving the treatment that WrestleMania deserves alongside many great events that crown MVPs, it's only fitting that WrestleMania has its illustrious list of uh, most viable players that make it uh, the showcase of the Immortals. Yeah, so let's do I, it. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the NFL, NBA, Stanley Cup, with the NHL, MLB, they all got their, you know, their 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 championship game MVPs, and so why not WrestleMania? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it would actually be kind of interesting if they were to um, implement that in storylines and television, uh, you know, like... And, and a WrestleMania MVP for the night. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that'd be kind of cool. But um, before we get into that, for those of you out there that have your very own WrestleMania MVPs, whether it's from WrestleMania's 1 through 17 or just an overall WrestleMania MVP, hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at 2. Hit the like button if you have not already. If you have, tell a friend to hit the like button and tell us who your WrestleMania MVP is from 1985 to 2000. And one. You can do the same over on Twitter. Our handle is at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Yeah, um, l- let's get into this. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, full disclosure. Um, 
my uh, my criteria for WrestleMania MVPs is kind of all over the place. Um, I'm gonna kind of be a little. I'm gonna kind of go cowboy, if you will, right. uh, when it comes to that. Um, you know, I don't have it narrowed down to just a single performance from a single individual, or you know, a match or a specific moment. My my MVPs are just gonna kind of be all over the place. So this is gonna be interesting as you and I go back and forth here um, regarding our MVPs. Uh, let, let let's kick things off. 19. 85 WrestleMania one uh, from Madison Square Garden, the inaugural WrestleMania, the the the, the show that really uh, put the company. Um I wouldn't say on the map, but put the company in a, in a better spot following it and, and the show that really changed things in the perception of big events in wrestling. Um, give, me, give me your WrestleMania MVP from WrestleMania 1. Now, I, I think um, there's, I, I thought about this one. There was a few ways we it could have gone down, um, but I decided that it was only appropriate to give it to the two guys that shared the marquee on the posters for WrestleMania. That would be Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Um, Co-MVP sharing the honors. It's happened in other sports yeah. as well. So this isn't crazy. Um, you know, I think that those two guys, you know, Hulk Hogan was was being primed and pretty much established as the, the biggest star in the WWF. And uh, Mr. T's involvement is really what helped make the original, the first WrestleMania, what WrestleMania is, and, and create the identity of it, and uh, his performance uh, at the show of shows, and his cooperation, if you will, if you ask gentlemen like uh, Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, um, going the way it went was uh, he came through in the clutch, and he was he was handed the ball when needed to, and he and he scored on you know he scored he pushed it through the end zone to get you know the big plays done, and that's why I give them to the uh, the MVP. I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you when it comes to um, who gets the MVP, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mr. T shares this or doesn't share this MVP status. I'm gonna go with Mr. T. You knew what you had with Hogan in some ways. You knew what you had with Roddy Piper. Okay, those two names obviously the big draws, but you didn't know what you had with Mr. T. And I've always said this, and I'll say this to my dying days, um, Mr. T. I feel like doesn't get enough credit for the build up towards that WrestleMania because he was a big factor. A lot of fans, and this is you know I wasn't I wasn't a, you know I was two years old in 1985, so I can't really consciously. Um, you know, tell you what fans were thinking at this time because I didn't watch wrestling till I was about three or four. However, um, looking back on it, talking with other fans, the real anticipation for that match wasn't Hogan getting his hands on Roddy Piper. It was Mr. T getting his hands on Roddy Piper. And I feel like Mr. T in that role, I wouldn't say he over-delivered, but he exceeded expectations. And for me, I feel like that's an MVP for performance for someone who doesn't have experience in that realm of professional wrestling. Like we talked about on our celebrities episode, I didn't know Mr. T was a celebrity until you know a couple years later. And I thought he was just a regular guy as part of the WWF. So I feel like for this WrestleMania MVP, it's got, in my opinion, it's got to go to Mr. T because he he exceeded expectations and delivered in the in the spot that he was put in. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I definitely don't disagree with that at all. Um, and I can certainly uh, pull the trophy away from the Hulkster on this one and uh, allow Mr. T to take it home on his own for sure. Um, yeah, you 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 you. you all these guys play a role and some roles are more important than others. And some roles you find out are more important than they were designed to be. And I think, uh, Mr. T, like I said, he, uh, 
he scored on the plays he needed to score on, and that's what helped make WrestleMania the success that it became to allow it to get to you know thirty five years later. So very cool, most very cool. definitely the Bart um, the Bart star of WrestleMania. The Bart um. star of WrestleMania. Okay, all right, I like that. I like that. Um, the uh, I- I'll kick things off with with the WrestleMania two MVP. This is the WrestleMania, of course, where. Um, we had, you know, three locations, uh, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. You had a, a very mixed match card. Um, looking back on it, in my opinion, I think this is the worst WrestleMania of all time. We've had this discussion, um, but, you know, you know, to each his own. Um, this was the first WrestleMania I ever watched. I watched it on video cassette at the, from the video store. Um, this was my first uh, introduction into wrestling. And even though it was my first introduction into wrestling, I still think it's the worst WrestleMania of all time. Um, not a whole lot here to chew on. You could you could make an argument that the Roddy Piper Mr. T boxing match um, could could be seen as a WrestleMania MVP because of the buildup and the anticipation for it. You could make an argument that the Hulk Hogan King Kong Bundy main event from Los Angeles um, and the Steel Cage match has MVP status written all over it. But for me. I'm going to go with the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal involving the stars from the NFL. Um, I, I was kind of torn as to you know who I was going to put as the MVP, but I'm going to give that match the MVP role because there was a lot of excitement in that match. And um, similar to Mr. T, William the Refrigerator Perry played a big role in that Battle Royal, being that he was from Chicago, the Super Bowl, you know, uh, 1985 Chicago Bears just coming off that Super Bowl. Um, he was red hot and very popular. And as a non-full-time, regular pro wrestler, performer, whatever the case is, he looked like he fit in with the rest of those guys in there. And to me, I wouldn't give him the full MVP status for WrestleMania 2, but just the overall um, excitement and energy in that Battle Royal, I'm going to give that the WrestleMania 2 MVP. Okay, um, I don't. I, I'm going to depart in a, in, a, in a drastic way here. Okay. I'm going to go with Roddy Piper all by himself. I think Roddy Piper... Uh, I almost did that. I'll Roddy Piper, uh, I think this was the beginning of Roddy Piper's ascension to a legendary status in wrestling. Um, he took what was a very uh, combustible situation with Mr. T, um, both personally and professionally, and, and he made the best of it. And uh, at, while we gave Mr. T the MVP for WrestleMania 1, um, I think he was uh, in many ways a liability in WrestleMania 2 in his performance. And uh, you go back and watch that boxing match, and he... Um, he did not. He was. He was off. He had a bad night. He looked lost out there. Yeah, yeah. And Roddy Piper was the general in charge who made the most of it, and his credibility allowed that match to still be exciting despite the fact that it was very clunky. Yep. Um, and I think you know if you if you watch that match back, you can you can hear an appreciation for the bad guy in Roddy Piper kind of starting. And of course, you know you you move forward to the next year at WrestleMania three, and he was as popular as anyone on on the babyface side. So I think Roddy Piper kind of salvaged what could have been um, at WrestleMania, at least in that Nassau Coliseum portion of the event. And I think it shined out over most of, I would say, what wasn't spectacular overall in that WrestleMania. Like you said, probably the worst ever. And I would say he probably had the, you know, the the shining moment there for sure. I can't argue with that. I really can't. And if we're going to go overall, um, 
WrestleMania MVPs between us for kicking out at two, then I could probably shelve the WrestleMania two Battle Royal and give Roddy Piper the sole MVP status of that WrestleMania. I'm always curious, and I was just wa- I watched that WrestleMania recently um, because of Mr. T's poor performance in that match. I wonder how much of that match and some of the, the hijinks in that match was improvised and called on the fly right. in terms of like the the interaction with Cowboy Bob Orton and uh, you know smoking Joe Frazier, um, you know, and all the the. the the interactions with the corner men and throwing the stool, you know, Piper threw the stool a few times at Mr. T. Um, I'm just curious if, like, a lot of that was planned or if that was Piper really trying to make up for the lack of performance coming from Mr. T. That's a very good point, um, and that's possible. I think, um, you know, to kind of put a bow on this one, I would say, you know, I look at every WrestleMania, every roster for every year as like the, a team. Yep. You know, and I and uh, I would say, like you said, this was, in your opinion, the worst WrestleMania of all time. It was a bad night for the team. Um, they still pushed it over the finish line. They still won the game, if you will, and and, and put out a, a successful product that people talked about that helped advance the company. And and uh, for Roddy Piper, you know, being the best of a bad bunch is probably what earns him the MVP. Probably an MVP Roddy Piper doesn't want, but. Um, you know, you got. We're giving it to somebody, so I, I would say it's definitely him. Yeah. All right. Let's move on here. Uh, WrestleMania three uh, from the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. The famous. Uh, Indoor attendance record of 93,173 people. This this is the show that put the company on the map. This is the show that, that, that really made them um, and, and made mainstream media and pop culture pay attention to professional wrestling was this show and the buildup to this show. And a lot of people have argued. Hogan and Andre sold it, but Steamboat and Savage stole it. Why don't you give me, why don't we start off, give me who your WrestleMania 3 MVP is. I have to go with Hulk and Andre. Um, You know, I think, you know, like you said, they sold it and they delivered. You know, I mean, as as an older wrestling fan, you look back at that match and yeah, it wasn't, you know, a a Matt Classic by any stretch and nor did it need to be. But um, if that match doesn't deliver then all the stuff you just said that happens with WrestleMania 3's success doesn't happen. You know what I mean? We live in a different world in professional wrestling if both Hulk and Andre don't deliver it equally. You know, people say Hulk Hogan, obviously. Um, you know, of course, he was the, the, the shining star of the event, but, you know, Andre the Giant had everything to do with making sure Hulk Hogan was not just the top guy in the business, but was now... The, the, the iconic figure that we still re- regard Hulk Hogan to be today, yeah. over 30 years later. And that is everything to do with Andre's um, tra- traditionalist mentality to, to get in there and do business with, with the Hulkster and, and, and pass the torch. Probably, you know, the symbolism of, of torch passing that we always, that has become, you know, hyperbolic these days. You know, the torch was passed to Hulk Hogan officially on that night. And um, the execution of that between the two guys in the ring to me, um, is what people talk about, It's and it's why everybody was there, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, I can't argue that, um, being as that our father, you know, before you were uh, a thought, you know, in, 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 in him and, you know, our mother's mind, a gleam in the eye, um, took me to see my very first WrestleMania on closed-circuit television, um, 
We went to an old, uh, from what my, from what our father tells us, uh, to an old uh, porno theater. There was a rundown porno theater that was running WrestleMania three. I remember Dad taking me. Um, I vaguely remember Dad taking me to get the tickets, and they were like four dollars a piece. And they came on like these little like. Um, about the size of like a business card. That's crazy. And uh, I remember I was so excited. I um, I, I I gave um, I did like an air pile driver in the office. The guy, <laughs> the, the guy was you know laughing behind the desk that you know that bought the tickets. But I did like a pile driver to <sighs> you know the air or whatever. Um, but you know I was I, I went watch that show for Hogan and Andre. So I, I I have a hard time arguing that. However, this is where. This is where I do argue the point. Um, I'm going to go with Savage and Steamboat because as as intense as that rivalry was, um, nobody expected it to steal the show. Nobody expected the two of them to have the unbelievable performance. And another reason why I put that as the WrestleMania MVP, and maybe it's just personally for me, but... Dad doesn't watch wrestling. He's only watched it from time to time when you know when we were younger, and if you know he was in the room with us watching it, or he'd take us to an event. Um, but Dad always remembers that match. He always remembers Savage and Steamboat. He'll say, you know, when WrestleMania comes up from time to time, he'll say, "Remember when I took you to the movie theater to watch WrestleMania three and that match with Savage and Steamboat? And how many times did they have the near falls?" And the you know, Dad still remembers yeah. that. And he's not a wrestling fan, so I feel. Feel like that deserves MVP status because it took someone who was a non-wrestling fan to still remember that moment to this day. Yeah, and, and that's where that's where I place um, my my MVP nod uh, for WrestleMania three is with Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That one's hard to argue. I mean, I mean, we're getting this is getting too form- formulaic. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ha- <laughs> just based on that argument alone, I kind of I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to change my mind and you know notarize Macho Man and Steamboat as uh, the MVPs of WrestleMania for sure. Um, we can definitely, I can definitely go with that. Okay, all right. Now um, I'll kick things off with WrestleMania four. No brainer here for me, um, but Randy Savage getting the MVP. For solely for WrestleMania 4, for his performance throughout the WrestleMania 4 tournament, having to wrestle Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, Butch Reed, One Man Gang, and then the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in the final to capture the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Um, even though I was, you know, Hogan was my number one, Savage was my number two, or my 1A, so to speak. And so I was a happy kid all around when Macho Man won the title, but. His performance and the story told throughout the night of kind of like, you know, he wasn't necessarily an underdog, but they kind of portrayed the odds stacked against him and his performance throughout the course of the night built and built and built to the point where, in some ways... He was looked at as an equal to the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase in that in that championship finals because DiBiase, if you remember, he had a bye in one mm-hmm. of those rounds. I think it was in the second round. I want to say yep. he might have had a bye because Hogan and Andre were both disqualified and he was supposed to face the winner. So DiBiase had a bye and then he moved on to the finals um, to face Savage. So he was he was the he had the advantage going into that match. So for me. Just Macho Man Randy Savage's performance throughout the course of the night, culminating in the big moment, 
with him winning the championship deserves my WrestleMania 4 MVP right there. I, I'm i not going to disagree with you at all. I think Macho Man definitely takes the honors, and, and um, I think it has everything to do with what you just said. Um, the story that was told, um, you know, they, they definitely, in, a, in one night, were able to make him an underdog and the top dog in the business. Um, you know, again, fighting from underneath. Uh, the adversity of million, you know, of, of facing the million dollar man and his advantage, both one less match and having Andre the Giant in his corner. Yeah, you know I what I mean? That, yeah. um, and he delivered, um, despite the nefarious uh, help from from Hulk Hogan that we seem to forget about. That's right. Uh, the, the Macho Man still had to go out there and wrestle four matches. Um, I think anyone who has any lick of athleticism or physical fitness in them will look at that and say, wow, that's not easy. Yeah. Um, so one match is, yeah, one match is hard enough. I would imagine four in one night. So he wrestled four. I don't care if they're each four minutes long. That's still a long time to be working and having to cool down and having to get ratcheted back up. And we know how intense of an individual historically Randy Savage has been heralded as. Um, so for him to kind of have to kind of replicate that process for, Times uh, is is no small feat whatsoever. So yeah, definitely the MVP for sure. Why don't you uh, Why don't you kick things off with uh, your your WrestleMania five MVP? My WrestleMania five MVP it stems from WrestleMania four um, because that was the beginning of the next story, the, the mega powers colliding and joining forces and then exploding at WrestleMania five. Um, and I'm gonna Randy Savage is gonna be a three peat guy here with the MVP, but he's going to share it with Hulk Hogan. Um, I don't... Th- that was that was the headliner. It was probably the, the next biggest match in the history of WWF at that time, next to Hogan and Andre. Um, it told a great story with everything involving Elizabeth and you know, Savage meeting his greatest challenger, his, his, his foil in many respects, because there was... While as great as he was, he still won Hulk Hogan. Um, and and for you could almost give it to Savage by himself, but I still have to give Hogan credit. Uh, but again, he probably gave Hulk Hogan his Hulk Hogan's best match that night. So um, you know, I think this was the beginning of Randy Savage being probably the first Mister WrestleMania was um, was kind of doing this type of performance with uh, a lesser opponent, at least skill wise, yep. and 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 doing it on a big stage, at you know, and being charged with drawing the house and drawing the audience and telling a good story. So yeah, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, they're going to take home the honors this year. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you 100%. Uh, this was this was uh, probably the first pay-per-view event that I had ever ordered as a kid. Dad allowed me to order it and um, Grandpa even came over to watch it with us. Oh yeah. Um, the three of us watching it. So, um, and this was the match that I really wanted to see everything else on the card. I wouldn't say it didn't matter, but what mattered most was seeing Hogan and Savage because of the story, because of the buildup, because of the friendship that they had, because of the emotional investment I had in the two of them as characters and that story itself. Um, that's to me, you know, why this makes you know the WrestleMania 
MVP for WrestleMania five because it was such a great build up a year long. Um, and like you said, it started at WrestleMania four, culminating at WrestleMania five with that match. And, and, and another great point you made Savage being really the first Mr. WrestleMania where he was able to, to take a performer skill wise like Hulk Hogan and, and make a really great match. And this up from, from a skill standpoint, bell to bell, this was like you said, this was probably Hulk Hogan's best match to date. Um, you know, I would argue even it's probably his best match ever. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying uh, another one is necessarily egregious. Yeah. Uh, compared to this one, but I would say I would say personally, for my taste, you know, I think you know, especially where Hogan was in his career, at really the the peak of it, this was probably his best performance. You yeah. know, because Hulk Hulkamania was never hotter than it was on that night. If you think about it, after this, it was it it it, it, it so it slowly declined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there. Um, let me let me let me kick things off with WrestleMania six. Hogan's gonna share the MVP status with the Ultimate Warrior. Um, for me, this is a one match show uh, when it comes to WrestleMania six, and I feel like. Um, you know, this is the first time we saw two good guys facing. My first conscious memory of two good guys facing each other, and on a on a grand scale like WrestleMania, um, the Ultimate Challenge with Hogan as the heavyweight champion and Ultimate Warrior as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, all the build up in the weeks and months with their interaction in the Royal Rumble, the miscommunication in their tag match with uh, Mr. Perfect and the Genius, the, the 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 instances where both guys you know came to save each other from being seriously injured at the hands of earthquake on on respective occasions all that leading up to this match um this was the first time with the exception of andre the giant where hulk hogan was um was was in a position where someone else was just as evenly matched as him in the ultimate warrior and uh it made for a great match and that's why i feel it takes the wrestlemania 6 mvp for me um, I'm gonna partly agree with you there. I'm gonna give it solely to Hulk Hogan. Um, in the, in this, in this, in the fashion that I think I give him immense credit for his torch passing ability in this match, and in the same way he took Savage along as the as Hogan was the far far superior worker in the ring that night. It was his job, especially with everything we know about the Ultimate Warrior as a professional. You know, Hulk Hogan was driving that car, and oh, many sure. in many respects, Ultimate Warrior was sitting shotgun, yelling in his face. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and with that being said, it was in the same way that Hogan's best match was with Savage the year before. I think Warrior's best match was with Hogan this year, and I think that's because of Hulk Hogan. Um, and I think you know a lot of people talk about you know I think what really did it, what really I think cemented Hogan as the MVP was the post match. You know, endorsement. He hands the belt to the Ultimate Warrior. They hug. They hug. He raises his hand. The fireworks go off, and then Hogan gets back on the ring cart, which I would love to see come back oh, one day. Yeah, and and and, and and so much of the story focused back again on Hulk Hogan and just this hero riding off into the sunset as now a new legend or a new superstar ascends to the throne. But but still, so much focus on Hulk Hogan still. And it shows me how valuable he was then to the WWF and how reluctant I think many people probably were to make that transition. And I think that's why I think it, it goes just to Hulk Hogan. 
That's you know, I, that's a good point. I can't really argue that. I do remember um, there was. I don't know the line word for word or you know verbatim, but uh, I believe. Um, when Hogan was was leaving that ring cart, and they were you know showing the shot of uh, the glare of the fireworks as Hogan was exiting on the ring cart, I think Gorilla Monsoon said to, said something like Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania um, has uh, reached immortality. It takes or one step toward closer towards to immortality. Immortality, yeah, there you go. And it, and it was that moment there that like kind of like you said had cemented him as like a legend and how important he was to. Um, the WWF at that time. And to be fair, too, you, like, you know, people will argue, well, you know, the Ultimate Warrior didn't really work out, did he? That ain't Hogan's fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. You know, and, 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 and I'm unapologetically not a, the biggest fan of Hulk Hogan, I, but I respect his contributions. contributions and place in history and his importance to the WWF and WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and the way that The Undertaker was, has been such a fixture of WrestleMania before him, it was Hulk Hogan. You know what I yeah. mean? You know, it was a, it was a constant. And um, Hulk Hogan, I think, provided there was an evolution from of Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania one to this WrestleMania, where he was he was the upstart, he was the the new kid on the block, the blue chipper, the big star, and then of course the torch is passed to him at three and at six, he's now in a position where he controls the cards a little bit and is able to do the same. Um, but at the end of the day, he can't make the Ultimate Warrior the biggest the next Hulk Hogan or the the first ultimate warrior for that matter yeah. so i think um you know i he gets no um discredit for the ultimate warriors and the WWF's inability to make the ultimate warrior a bigger star yes yeah. exactly okay. so but again mvp for me for sure okay all right um on to WrestleMania 7 from the, the the forum or the Sports Coliseum in Los Angeles. Originally, this was scheduled to take place at the um, the uh, the Olympic Auditorium, the outdoor stadium. They were going to try the and Coliseum, break yeah. the Coliseum. They were going to try and break the record that WrestleMania 3 had set with 93,000 people. They were hoping to get 100,000 people. A combination of um, Poor ticket sales and safety concerns during a time period where uh, we were we were in the midst of a war um, in the Gulf War, and we you know the WWF had an Iraqi sympathizer as the lead bad guy character on television with Sergeant Slaughter. So there were a number of different factors that resulted in this event being moved to the Los Angeles Sports Arena, which housed the very the second WrestleMania, the LA portion. Um, this event is probably one of my favorite WrestleMania events as a whole. Uh, I would put this in my top ten because there was a lot going on. And some people will say there was a lot of filler on this card. I believe there was 12 matches on this card. And there was a lot of, you know, uh, I wouldn't call them bathroom break matches, but matches that had very little buildup. They were just trying to get guys on the card. But at that time, as a kid, it didn't. I didn't have that thought process and that train of thought. Um, you know, you could argue that... Um, that there was probably six, five or six matches on this card that really had a, a, a good amount of importance and some steam behind it, and the rest was just kind of eh. But there's not one match on this card that I put as the WrestleMania MVP. I'm going to go with a, a, a moment that made this WrestleMania for me. To me, this moment is the very first true 
WrestleMania moment in and of itself. And I'm talking about when Macho Man Randy Savage reunited with Miss Elizabeth after he lost the career match to the Ultimate Warrior. Um, as a big Macho Man fan and as a kid, I followed that story with him and Miss Elizabeth. As a, as a youngster, I, I, I didn't appreciate the way that he treated her, but at the same time, um, I couldn't picture the two of them not together. And when they weren't together, and he was with, with, with Sensational Sherry, and she ended up becoming Queen Sherry, it, I was able to accept that a little more because they both complimented each other. But as a kid, I always thought, well, he's got to get back together with Elizabeth. You know, that was just my train of thought. And to start the night with everyone in that building hating you and wanting to see the Ultimate Warrior destroy you and end your career to the moment you walk out of that ring and through that curtain after losing to the Ultimate Warrior, the people are behind you. To me, I felt that was just an unbelievable performance from start to finish when it comes to Randy Savage and the... the, the the picturesque moment of him lit hoisting her up on the shoulders and you see people crying. I remember as a kid, you know, I didn't watch this WrestleMania live, but um, there used to be a um, an old uh, 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 writer for the New York Post that used to do a wrestling column. His name was The Informer. Some have said it might have been Vince Russo. I'm not 100% sure on that, but... Um, Vince Russo probably said it was him. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this individual used to write articles on on every Tuesday on the New York Post, and Dad would always get the Post because you know he grew up in New York, and he would get it on Tuesdays, and he would read it to me, and he would tell me, you know, that was how I found out that um, that that psycho, you know, Sid Vicious was coming to the WWF right um, through that article, and then he eventually showed up later. This was like before the dirt sheets were the dirt sheets, you know, that were, you know, really popular at that time. Um, so I had found out that, you know, dad said to me, he goes, Macho Man lost a career match, but he got back together with Miss Elizabeth. And at that point, I couldn't wait to get the video to watch it. You know right. what I mean? And I remember renting the video. No, I didn't rent the video. Dean, my friend Dean, mm -hmm. had purchased it on pay-per-view. And I don't remember how long after that I went to go see it, but I saw it and I watched that moment. And... At eight years old, I got a little choked up that Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth got back together. But I was more overjoyed and excited that they were back together. And like I said, to me, that was like the true epitome of a WrestleMania moment. A moment that just like transcended wrestling and really tugged on the heartstrings of the viewer watching. So that for me, Macho Man reuniting with Miss Elizabeth gets my WrestleMania MVP. Um... Yeah, uh, I, I'm in the same area as you with that. Uh, I give it to Macho Man for that moment, but also for having another Mr. WrestleMania match, you know, with the Ultimate yeah, Warrior. Great he match. tore the house down with that guy, and, and I know this may make me come off as a guy who doesn't appreciate the Ultimate Warrior, given that he's uh, um, an accessory to two back-to-back uh, -back WrestleMania MVP award winners, but... Um, the Macho Man Randy Savage, kind of in the way Hulk Hogan became legendary through that match with the Warrior and his moment with Miss Elizabeth, was made forever as a as a as a mythical, you know, character that was going to live on forever with Miss Happily Ever After with Miss Elizabeth. Um, 
Yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage, I think he takes it home again and, and again just further lays the groundwork for what we now know as Mr. WrestleMania, the original for sure. And, and, and that's definitely solely his award. And if he wants to share that with Miss Elizabeth, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree with you on all points 100%. When are we going to disagree? <laughs> I have a feeling it's coming up, yeah. but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Okay, we'll get all right. There. Well, why don't, you, uh, why don't you kick things off with, um, with, with WrestleMania 8 and your WrestleMania 8 MVP? This was hard for me as a fan, but the Macho Man's going to share this one with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Really? Um, yes. I, I, I thought you. I, I thought you. Yeah, I thought you'd think I'd go in another direction. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Ric Flair—the double main event. Um, you know, the WWF tried as hard as they could to make it Hulk Hogan feel Ric appreciated Flair. as in his psycho, his Sid Justice main event. Um, but the the best match on the card with all the marbles for the WWF championship with the Nature Boy Ric Flair, the, all the parts involved, Miss Elizabeth, she was mine before she was yours, Mr. Perfect, Bobby Heenan. Yep, yeah. I almost gave the award to Bobby Heenan just on his commentary alone. Oh, yes. Um, but I think the Macho Man Randy Savage gets another one, um, with, and he shares it with Ric Flair. Um, you know, it wouldn't quite be a career for Ric Flair if he didn't have a WrestleMania moment. And we'll get more into that, you know, down the road. But um, they, they're, they're sharing this one because they had a classic match. Um, Flair got color. He did all the classic Flair stuff. He even grabbed Miss Elizabeth and, you know, laid one on her, laid a kiss on I just her. I watched that the other day. I did, too. I, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm on my marathon as well. Next time I see, next time I see your old lady, I'm going to kiss her on the moist, wet lips. Yeah. Woo! When he said that, I was oh, like, man. <laughs> he was, and that's the thing. Even in that victory, Ric Flair was able to keep his heat and put on a show, and the fans got what they wanted. Is Ric Flair the comeuppance of Ric Flair, and, and the belt was in the hands of Randy Savage. It's it's definitely them two. Randy Savage and Ric Flair put on uh, a, a wonderful performance. Yeah, um, I can't argue that, but I'm going to. Great. Uh, I'm going to go in the direction I thought you were going in. Um, as as great as the Randy Savage uh, Ric Flair match was, because I really enjoyed the build up. Um, and what was great about the build up too was the fact that, like, um, looking back on it now, you felt like at least I felt like as a fan I was more involved in the build up personally because it started over the pictures in the WWF magazine. Yep. And I had a subscription to that magazine. And I'll never forget this is an instance where, you know, dad not being a wrestling fan, even he got into it a little bit because when I come home from school he would be like, oh, you got to see this WWF magazine. He was, like, he, he was like, there's pictures of Ric Flair with Miss Elizabeth, and she was with Ric Flair before. And I was like, no way. And the magazine used to come in like a clear package. Well, Dad opened it up for some reason yeah, well, yeah. And, and started looking at it. He would have thought it was a Playboy because he, he, he was getting into it. And... Um, I just remember being like, what the heck? Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, there's no way. But then, the you know, this, I'm a young kid. I'm nine years old. So, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an impressionable young kid at that time. So there's no Photoshop and digitizing, at least in my mind. Oh, I don't think know? anyone thought that, yeah. yeah. You know, so, like, everyone, you know, the when, when they would say, like, you know, doctored footage or doctored pictures, like Mean Gene Oakland, 
would would, would uh, you know illustrate that that might be the case with with the this and scenario. only a guy like Ric Flair with his expendable resources yeah. and money could afford to do such a thing exactly in 1992 because regular people like you and I and mom and dad we just couldn't would, do that yeah, we, we didn't, couldn't afford we were too poor for that to digitize pictures you know yeah. we put water in our milk to last, yeah. to make the milk last longer you know what I mean like um, so. Uh, as great as all that was, and I was excited, you know, and I also felt too like it was, and this is where I, 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 I add a little personal touch to this, and I might be going off the beaten path, kind of like Eric Bischoff every every week on eighty three weeks, but um, not a lot of my friends knew who Ric Flair was. I knew who he was from watching NWA. Right. So, uh, to me, like I felt like I felt like they were performing. In this rivalry with Savage and Flair for a very small audience because I knew who he was and a lot of people weren't familiar with him. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So it was like a very like, you know, in some ways I almost felt like I was like on the inside as a kid. Like, you know, oh, I know who you don't know who he is. I know who he is. He was on NWA. Like it was just, you know, me being nine years old and being stupid. But um, as great as all that is and as great as Hulk Hogan and the Sid buildup was at nine years old, um, and potentially being Hulk Hogan's last match, and that's one of the main draws as to why I was able to order this pay per view, was because um, it was it was billed as potentially Hulk Hogan's last match. It's funny, I don't know if you know this, but um, we were able to order this pay per view at Nana and Grandpa's house, and but Nana and Grandpa weren't there. They were looking for houses in Florida for to move before. I ended up finding out that they were moving. So right. um, I had Dean with me, and we watched WrestleMania 8 at Nan and Grandpa's house, and Dad just brought us there. But Nan and Grandpa weren't there. I wonder so. if they know that the pay-per-view was ordered on their TV. <laughs> no, they did. They did. I think, I think I, I'm pretty sure that they had gotten, you know, that they had given They got them. the bill at some yeah. point. They got the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, Dorothy, did you order this WrestleMania? <laughs> For Christ's sakes, I told you, they're actors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, um, the uh, as great as all that was, okay, and as great as Bobby Heenan's commentary was, and th- and that was some fun stuff, you know, with uh, with uh, you know uh, he called Reba McIntyre Ariba because yeah. Tito Santana was coming out, yeah. and all the great stuff he said on commentary. I'm gonna go in the direction I thought you were going in with Brett and Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental Championship. I know it took me a while to get there, but I had to highlight all those other points. Um, I feel like that was the first match consciously in my mind. Even though Steamboat and Savage was a great match, I thought it was fun to watch as a kid, that was the first match in my mind, Piper and Brett, and I was surprised at how good it was to the point where it really la- it made a lasting impression on me. Um, and I, I, I thought that I, I, would, I would argue that they stole it at, wrestle- at that WrestleMania because Piper was a veteran. He was a good guy, and Brett was the young upstart, and they were really making Brett into a bigger deal, and... I didn't expect everything that, you know, to went on in that match. I didn't expect Bret Hart to get color. And I didn't expect Roddy Piper almost to go back to his roots and, you know, you know, teased that he was, you know, turning on Bret by using the ring bell. What the and, hell? Use the bell. Yeah, exactly. Bobby <laughs> Heenan, another great... Oh, you know what was great about that, too? Um, was uh, when, they were, um, when they were facing off, um, 
you know, Bobby Heenan was like, I was the champion once, and Monsoon was like, champion of what? He's like, the neighborhood. Yep. I had the prettiest girl on the block. Yep, that's <laughs> one of my favorite lines. <laughs> the great Bobby Heenan. Yes, I could give him the MVP status, but because I wasn't expecting what I got from Brett and Piper, and as a kid, it, it made a lasting impression on me, I'm going with them as the MVP for that WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm going to debate it a little bit, just, just to at least get the point over. Yeah, like yeah. I said, this was, you know... I, I certainly had had to think that one over, but I, I just think that, like you said, it wasn't expected to be great. And if and I look at it like in in, in the theme of what we're talking about as an MVP, that's you know that's a um, that's an oddball, that's a tight end on the Patriots who doesn't catch a lot of passes, who caught two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Wow, like that's impressive, you know. But the quarterback who threw the passes was the Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair. They delivered, you know what I mean? And while you got, you know, Sid Vicious and Hulk Hogan, I think they very much under-delivered. Um, yeah, I would agree. You know, it, it, it was a odd finish to that show, and, you know, it kind of got saved by the Ultimate Warrior, um, that finish. But, um, I don't know, I just feel like the role, the, you know, the job that that double main event had um, was really carried, I think, by that title match, and that's why I go with Ric Flair and Randy Savage. Okay. All right. Um, you you've argued that this could be one of the worst WrestleManias of all time after watching it um, a number of times. I'm referring to WrestleMania Nine from Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas in 1993. I'd like to, <laughs> knowing the 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 discussions we've had regarding this WrestleMania, knowing. Um, the amount of times we've gone back and forth regarding the controversial finish to this WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan winning the championship unexpectedly following the main event. Tell me, give me who your WrestleMania MVP is for WrestleMania 9. Let me first start off by saying I just finished watching this WrestleMania yesterday. And when Mr. Fuji challenges Hulk Hogan for the WWF to defend the WWF championship against Hulk Hogan, Yokozuna that is, the bell never rang for that match. Go back and watch it. Really? Hulk Hogan gets back in the ring, answers the challenge, and the bell never rings. Really? Just so. I never knew that. Just so we are clear. Okay. All right. Uh, the bell never rings. And if it does, it, maybe it got lost in the outdoor noise. But I, there was, and I, I thought about it. Wait a minute. Did the, bell, the bell didn't ring. So go back and double check that and prove me wrong. But I'm. No, I'm not. Listeners or anyone, I'm very sure the bell did not ring to start the match. Wow, that's got like the aura and mystique comparable to Ric Flair's 17th world title reign. That Just, you know, again, wow. we can we can confirm that again, okay. but I'm pretty sure the bell, I'm pretty sure it makes me sound unsure. I am most <laughs> certainly sure, correct me if I'm wrong, the bell didn't ring. Anyways. Alright. The MVP of that night to me, and it's the direction you probably think I'm going to go, is Brett the Hitman Hart. He was the WWF champion um, wrestling a guy like Yokozuna, who we, is a Hall of Famer, is obviously probably the, one of the most talented men for his size in the history of wrestling. Um, the, the, you know, he's no, you know, he no slouch. So Bret Hart wasn't working with a, with a bad guy, you know, a bad worker. But Bret Hart, uh, you know, being that that Iron Man workhorse of the company and, and assuming that role now as they were moving towards that new generation, um, had to deliver a quality main event. Um, and I think he did, you know, it wasn't a very long one. Again, I just watched it, you know, yesterday and, and, um, you know, Brett, you know, he, he, he bumped good for Yoko. He, he made Yoko look like a monster and, um, 
but you also knew that you also believed Bret Hart had a chance to win. Um, and yeah, I got snatched away in a moment when, you know, the salt gets thrown in his eyes. I, I got to go with Brett because, you know, much like the Piper one, um, he made the, he made the best of not a great performance by the team. You know, very few plays were made that day um, by, by by other players on the team, but Bret Hart made the more the the most important plays because when you're in the main event, it just matters more. Yeah. When you're on last. I don't care what the match is; it just matters more because it's very much. You get this feeling at the end of a WrestleMania like it's it's ending. It's like when you're opening that last present at Christmas and you're looking under the tree trying to find more presents, and you're getting that anxious feeling of oh, it's over, and you're getting to that point. And in the main event, it just matters more. And I think he just he delivered in that role. And you know, if it, if it wasn't in the, in the main event, we're talking about a different MVP. But I think because of that the spot he was on the show as the champion, he's the MVP in my opinion. You know, it's hard to pick an MVP for this. Um, WrestleMania because there's a lot of garbage on this WrestleMania. Oh yeah, um, you know uh, a lot of matches kind of thrown together um, and just some the performances not the best. Like you said, the team didn't really do that well um, on that given day. Uh, although this is a this WrestleMania is a guilty pleasure of mine. For some really strange reasons, um, I enjoyed the whole Roman, um, you know, the toga uh, party. The toga party. I thought that was cool. The Roman Empire and the Roman Coliseum, the way they had set it up. I'm a huge, huge mark for outdoor shows. I think it adds something cool to a presentation. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's. I think it's awesome, and it makes it feel very, um, very. Um, professional sports like you know that they that they host a lot of these shows especially the wrestlemanias in outdoor settings absolutely um i've always been a big fan of that um the color scheme with like you said they had it set up like the roman coliseum from the production aspect with the entryway and you had the everyone in the togas and I, i i love that part of it um I'm not going to go in the direction you might think I'm going in and go with Hulk Hogan. I'm not. Didn't really think that, but yeah. All right, this will be interesting. But because I don't think Hogan really pulled out any kind of great performances. Did his involvement in the show from a big picture aspect help make the show a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. Because if in my opinion, if Hogan wasn't part of WrestleMania 9, then... It might be even worse than what all the critics are, are, are saying. It probably isn't WrestleMania if he's not there. Yeah, you know. You know? But um, you know, there's like I said, there's a lot of garbage on this. Um, you, you, I really can't find an MVP regarding WrestleMania Nine. If I were to pick one, it would probably be the probably, in my opinion, the most exciting match on the card. The Steiner brothers and the Head Shrinkers, because yeah. they, they had they had a they had a pretty damn good performance. Very physical. Um, I, I enjoyed the finish uh, when you know uh, Rick Steiner caught the Head Shrinker from in midair while he was hoisting on the other one's shoulders and kind of gave like a belly to belly suplex. But I'm not going that direction. I'm going with the commentary from all three guys: Randy Savage, really? Jim Ross, and Bobby Heenan. To me, I felt like. They made a lot of that garbage feel important um, because Interesting. because if it wasn't if it wasn't for the commentary itself, I, I don't think it would have been I don't think it would have been as easy to watch. 
in my opinion. That's interesting. I think I didn't. I thought the commentary was kind of shitty. I, you know, Jim Ross is the greatest announcer in the history of this of the industry. But I thought his, I thought his, I thought he sounded bad, and maybe it's maybe it's a generational thing because he sounded very. He sounded like he was working for Jim Crockett. Just well, was his the first voice time on the and job. yes, yes, absolutely. However, this is also a WrestleMania. Not many of them at this point, and not many broadcast booths at this point were three man booths. It, it sounded yeah. very crowded, very um, just clunky, and just stop and start, and someone trying to get their piece in, and it just didn't. It just didn't seem like. Anyone was used to being there. You know what? For any, but hey, look, I can. I, the important thing, I get it because that's Jim Ross to a T. Jim Ross makes everything sound meaningful, but I just it didn't sound clean. To Let me, me. All right, all right. You know what? You make some good, valid points there, and I and I, I normally won't do this for this kind of forum, but uh, I'll walk that one back because. Um, you know, it made it made the it made the show a little more watchable with their interactions, but at the same time, you make some good points. Very crowded, and just you know, there was oh, it sounded like there was some confusion. So there was good one-liners, though. I mean, come oh, on, yeah, Heenan, one- Heenan's good for one-liners, and the Macho Man, you know, as as silly as some of them are, they are they are what they are. What about in the beginning when Savage when they introduced you know everyone and they came out and and they did the whole spot with the camel and Macho Man lifted up you yeah. know, his toga and then he was like WrestleMania Nine, do the thing if you. Got the guts. He kept like, saying that, like, like do the thing. Yeah, yeah what's like, the thing? Ugh. What's the thing? Like, it, it's just a, it's like a savageism, you yeah. know. It's just like it's it's it works because yeah. he's the Macho Man. So, like I said, I'm gonna walk this one back, and I'm gonna take back that nod because, like, you, you kind of put it in perspective there, um, and. I'll go with what I originally was. Th- I was back and forth about this WrestleMania. I'm going to go with the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers. Okay, as, as as the MVP of this of this that WrestleMania. Was, that was that was a very good match. I can't deny that. And at all. I w- and honestly, like I know that like they might have needed to put a little bit more sizzle on the Hogan, you know, the Mega Maniacs, Money Incorporated tag team match, but that could have been. It didn't need the championships. If no, anything, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers probably could have used the tag team titles. Yeah. As exciting as that was, yeah, not, but not, I, not to trade places right, here. But, but, I, but I know, I know too. As a, as a um, as a fan, I'm sure there was an enticing idea from even younger fans. I would imagine Hulk Hogan is the WWF Tag Team Champion. It was a probably little different. Just the imagery in your in, in, a, in a fan's head at that time, because I was too young to really remember. Um, you know. Vaguely, do I remember you know Brett being the champion or, and stuff like that? But again, I don't really have a clear recollection of of Hulk Hogan's involvement. But I could imagine that being something that I would have been like, oh my god, like what's the belt going to look like around Hulk Hogan's waist? Tag team champion? Like yeah. those things, I think, are hooks for young fans. So I could see that. And I, and at the end of the day, as a as a smarter fan, yeah, I would say Steiners and, and Head Shrinkers yeah. could have used those titles for sure. So I bitched out and I walked it back, and I'm gonna stick with the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers because it was just a very fun, physical, exciting match. And another one of those matches that you know, um, I knew who the Steiners were from their from their time in NWA and WCW. Right. And I had friends that didn't know, so. I didn't watch this live with anybody, but when I did watch it back with other people, whether friends or even, you know, I I think I might have watched it with Dean. Um, He was familiar with them, but he wasn't too familiar with them. But when he saw them perform against the Head Shrinkers, he was, you know, he was impressed. So, yeah, I bitched out. I walked it back. WrestleMania 9 MVP for me, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers. Um, 
All right, this is a, this is going to be a good one because uh, there's a, there's a lot of different candidates you can chew on with this one. WrestleMania ten. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll just all right. Full disclosure: elephant in the room. Shawn Michaels' performance in the ladder match for me has to has to has to go. You know. As the WrestleMania 10 MVP for me, it was hard because there were other performances by Bret Hart, his match with Owen, um, even the match with Yokozuna, um, even Yokozuna itself, and his performance throughout the night made for really tough choices for me. However, you know, I, I was I was watching history that night when I saw what Sean was doing and with that ladder, and that really set the set the bar high. For future ladder matches with his performance in the ladder match against Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Which, by the way, we are going to be covering next week in a very special watch-along. Celebrating the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 10. Jamie Garabini and I are going to uh, we're going to sit down and watch uh, the, the, the 10th anniversary of WrestleMania 10. On the 25th anniversary. March the 20th next week here on Kicking Out at 2. Um, it's, it's interesting, I I just finished watching that WrestleMania today, and it would be easy to say Shawn Michaels and even Razor Ramon or that match was the MVP. And don't get me wrong, it is everything you said it was. Um, but I'm going with Bret Hart as the MVP. This was his ascension to the throne. Can't argue it either. Um, yeah. And I think this, this was a, especially in this early years of WrestleMania, a lot of these shows had storyline threads that kind of bled through the entire start to finish. And the fact that he bookended the shows with matches, one being arguably the greatest opener in the history of WrestleMania yep. with Owen Hart, yeah. where on any that. other show would have been argued as one of the greatest matches in history, but it happens to be on the same show as the latter match, so it kind of gets a B-level status, yeah. or 1A status, just on that. But with that being said, the thread from start to finish, the feud with his brother, losing to his brother having to work with the, the debilitating knee injury and yep. the questions all night if, if he could handle Yokozuna or handle the championship match to me was that was that was the, the the thread for the whole night and and to then be hoisted up on the shoulders of the of, of the baby faces and be anointed as the leader of the new generation and to then I can almost call Owen Hart the MVP for the, the perfect storytelling of him coming out at the end, at the end, and just yeah. kind of just with the despicable look on his face of that that should be me, and I beat you, and I, I it, claiming rights to the title in many ways, and just ending the show that way, and um, you know, it was WrestleMania ten was definitely a changing of the guard in the in the industry for the or at least for the WWF that is, and and Bret Hart was at the forefront of that, and again he was asked to kind of do what the Macho Man did at WrestleMania four, and just kind of be the workhorse of the show and, and, and start it and finish it and, and, and take us home and, and get us going. And it's hard for me to, to, to me, it's, it's hard to ignore that because he was, he was the quarterback on that night. He was Tom Brady. You know, I, I, it's, it's hard not to argue that. And I can't, I mean, if you think about it, I've, I've talked with you about this before, but you know, I wasn't a big Brett guy back in the day. Um, maybe because he was the next guy after Hogan and it was hard for me to transition out. But at the same time, he was like your wrestling fan stepdad. Like Hulk Hogan was your father, and he he left he it. left home, yeah. And Brett was the stepdad who you know would raid the refrigerator of, Mount, of all your Mountain Dews. 
<laughs> while you were sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I, I like that. I like that analogy. Meanwhile, Brett was my wrestling father. Yeah, so, so, yeah. that's a good point. Look at that. Wow, yeah, you were the kid from another marriage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, the uh, I, I can't argue it because as a fan. Even though Brett wasn't my guy, you, as a kid, I couldn't help but feel bad for what his character had gone through. A year prior, he was cheated out of the title with Yokozuna. Hulk Hogan came in and took that championship from Yokozuna. He would win King of the Ring, but then he'd be humiliated at the end of King of the Ring. He would endure months of humiliation from Jerry the King Lawler following that King of the Ring. And then after that, after he had, you know, kind of put that to bed, then he would have his issues with his brother and his brother being jealous of him. So the story, like you said, of the beginning of the night for Brett leading up to the end, culminating with the title win, was a very good um, last swerve or twist in his story to what would culminate in him winning the championship. You know what I mean? He had been through so much that like he had to win the title. And... It's hard not to argue your your stance as Bret Hart as the WrestleMania MVP. And don't get me wrong, I I think it's one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. Yeah. Because of you know a moment like that with Bret's contribution to it, I just felt like, like I said, as a kid, man, you know, never seen a ladder match before ever, and seeing what Sean did with that ladder match is like that's the first. I'm going to say this a lot. But that's the first conscious memory at 11 years old of me seeing, like I'm witnessing, I feel like I'm witnessing history. Yeah. So it's hard for me to go back and forth. But if I, and this was hard for me to choose, but I'm going to stick with it because I'm not going to walk it back and be a bitch like the last one. And and go Sean's, Sean's performance in the ladder match. And even though I was a Rockers guy before Sean went singles, I didn't necessarily take to Sean as a singles competitor with with Sherry and then eventually with Diesel at that time until this match. Once this match happened and once he, you know, put on that performance with Razor Ramon in the ladder match, I became a Shawn Michaels guy, like 100%. Right, yeah, absolutely. And, And it's amazing. This is such a good card, like you said. Another quiet match from... Mr. WrestleMania himself with crushed the Falls Count Anywhere match, I thought was for its time a pretty darn good show. Good a good showing between two guys that got the crowd going. It it, it kind of uh, you know start you know kicked a couple doors down as far as an unconventional type of match in the WWF at that time. Taking the match out, you know the Pure Six Brawl, if you will. Um, you know Macho Man Randy Savage in his later his his final WrestleMania match. Yeah, you know he wrestled in nine of the first ten. No, excuse me, eight of the first ten. He didn't wrestle one. Um, But that one at WrestleMania, I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought that was a, you know, for its time. Um, And I actually like that match concept. The false kind of anywhere where they have to get back in the, the the guy who gets pinned has to get back in the ring before in 60 seconds. That'd be a cool thing to bring back now. Yeah, I mean. But I thought that, I thought Savage had a good showing in that. Not MVP worthy, but he definitely made some key third down plays. I will say it, it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't 
Savage's best performance. Oh, of course not. Um, of course not. Probably was his worst, but the other ones are pretty damn yeah. good. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, as I remember as a kid, when they announced Falls Count Anywhere, I pictured Sting and Cactus Jack from Beach Blast 1992. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that's so fair. So I remember going into that match, I was really excited, not just because I was a Macho Man fan, not because I enjoyed the story with him and Crush, but because I was going to picture these two guys going all over the place. I had thoughts in my head that they were going to make it outside of the building yeah, on the streets of like New York. Yeah, Madison you know I mean? Avenue just suplexing each other you know on taxi I mean? cabs. Yeah. Or in Penn Station somewhere. Yeah. You know? like, that's where I kind of pictured this was going. And so when a, when so quickly Crush got the first pinfall, I thought the match was over. Because I remember as a kid, they never really explained the rules of this match. They just said false count anyway. Yeah. So when Crush got the, got the pin, I was like, wait a minute. This match is over already? And then they said, nope. He's got 60 seconds to get back into the ring. That's where the disappointment came in for me as a fan because I expected something else and, you know, I got something different. And like a lot of wrestling fans currently today, that's how they feel when it comes to just about anything WWE sure, does. Yeah. But I wasn't, I didn't have internet and something to cry and bitch over in 1994. I just kind of rolled with the punches <laughs> and, and, and witnessed it as a fan. And throughout the match, I got into it a little bit, but it just didn't have that. It didn't have that feel for me. Like if they announced it ahead of time, what the rules were, then maybe I would have been, I would have warmed up to it a little, a little more. But because I had an expectation going in, and they weren't really clear on the rules of that match, it just didn't do it for me. I hear you. I know. I hear you. Like I said, uh, I think it was definitely for its place on the card. It was uh, a very good showing and a good performance. And that's it, as the Macho Man was getting out there in age. That was probably a perfect spot for him. And I think it delivered and helped make it. Un- that's. You know, main event, Brett and Owen, ladder match, Savage and Crush. Those are four very good and great matches. Makes an amazing card, for sure. But, yeah, I think we're, we're both pretty uh, nestled in with our MVPs, for sure. I'm going with Brett. I know you're going to take Sean, so that's yeah. fine. We're down to the, the, the Magnificent Seven, the last seven of part one of our WrestleMania MVPs. We're, we're, we're turning to our hometown, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, WrestleMania 11. You have argued that this is the worst WrestleMania of all time. I just can't find it in my heart to, to label this WrestleMania as the worst of all time. But I could understand why you could. Um, why don't you kick things off with, this, with your MVP for WrestleMania 11? There was, um, to me, my MVP... Is uh, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels? Um, you know all the you know for me as a fan, you know the the intrigue of LT and Bam Bam Bigelow and his All Pro team. I'm, I, I know that word for word. I just started watching <laughs> it this morning. Actually, his All Pro team and Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy and all the fluff they had there. You know they knew they had to really pull the, you know pull all the heavy hitters of uh, you know television's greats. Back in the '90s, to make this one, um, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Thomas. Taylor, Tom, Nicholas Totoro. Um, oh man! Not to cut you off, but I was watching some of that last night, uh, watching WrestleMania 11 as well. And Nick Totoro had like that, like uh, you know, on-site reporter role where yeah, he yeah. was just kind of going around. And he, I think he did a good job in it. I think he played that role really well. Um, but when he came out, when they introduced him to 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 ring announce the main event and the participants in, or the, 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 the co-main event with Sean and Diesel. Um, 
He, he, you would have thought he was in the match. He was coming out high fiving all the fans. Yeah, he was getting too hyped up. You would have thought it was yeah, his yeah. match. Like he was fighting for the WWF yeah. title, which I thought was rather interesting. And then, like, you, if you noticed, um, he got, you know, Fink gave him the, the, the cards to read off, you know, the, the, the guy's names as they were coming down the aisle. And I don't know if he got lost in the moment or if he was trying to get his own shine in, but he was like, you know, Connecticut, you ready? Let's go! And Fink's like, kind of like trying to push him along. Like, all right, we have a time, you know, we have a time limit here. Come on, you got to introduce these guys. <laughs> and then by the time Sean and, and, and Sid made it down to the ring, he was just like almost introducing them yeah. to the rest of the crowd. But that's just something that I found fascinating and a little It was very, funny. very clunky. Like I said, it was to me it was the worst because there was, at the very beginning of the show, they go to throw it to Nicholas Satura, who's in the, uh, the, the locker room of the Million Dollar corporation who's of course getting ready for this main event match the audio against, issues they had they, yeah. you could, and that wasn't the first time you couldn't hear shit from they, yeah. they, they were Vince McMahon had to you know on the fly bring it back and you know they didn't know that they, you could that, that you know Tatura didn't know that he wasn't being heard and they a lot of just as a presentation I remember Maybe at one point Todd so. Pettengill had to switch out microphones yep. when he was interviewing Bam Bam Bigelow. Yep. And then there was mic issues not too long after that with one, two, three, Kid and Razor Ramon. Yep. Um, and he, Vince is like, "Can you hear me?" Like, yeah. like as if he's like remote. Like, weird again. As a pre- and I think that stuff matters to a show. And not that I'm the, uh, a judge of, of of those types of things on a professional level, but that's what makes the WWE separate from the elites and the you know Ring of Honors and all that is yeah. their quality of production. I blame um, it on those Sony Discman headphones that those guys were wearing <laughs> in 1995. Right. Todd Pettengill and Jim Ross having to wear those headphones. Yeah. I was like, where's their Discman? Yeah. So um, <laughs> so back to my MVP, Sean. Like I said, this is probably one of my first moments as a young fan where, as again, the main events, like you, like I said earlier, it's, it's the culmination of the pro wrestling year, that one match. And um, Shawn Michaels and Diesel outshined it in spades. And I think Shawn Michaels' performance alone as a fan made me... It, it was kind of a revealing moment for me as when he didn't win the championship, I was just like, that man is the WWE champion. He should have been... He should have won that match. He he played his best. You know what yeah. I mean? He played better than the man that walked out champion. Yeah. And, um, you know, just... the Everything that Shawn Michaels is known to be, he put it on display that night. And um, to me, that's why he's the MVP. He pro- that was a main to me that that opened up the doors in my mind of the main event isn't necessarily the best match. Yeah, it's not the most exciting. The most exciting match is who puts on the best match, and Shawn Michaels did that, and it kind of opened my mind to that. Kind of in the way I think Steamboat and Savage did for you, or that you know Piper and Brett did. Maybe that was Shawn Michaels. Like he he's the best person. In this company right now, he should be the champion, and he should be main eventing WrestleMania. Doesn't matter against who, but like I said, he he made all the plays, and in many ways did it on a show where a lot of penalty flags are being thrown. Oh yeah, <laughs> all night long. Yeah. And, and Shawn Michaels had to take the ball and throw it back to the ref and call another play and th- throw and catch his touchdown passes. He to me, and I and I know I've been going over the top oh, with no, these analogies, no. but it fits. It, it's befitting of the theme, I think, and I think he. He scored a lot of points on this one for the show, and in many ways it would have been WrestleMania 9-ish if if there wasn't a Shawn Michaels performance. You know, um, this was another hard one going back. Um, Shawn was in the... uh 
you know, in the running to, to, to be my MVP for this for this WrestleMania in particular. Uh, like I had said regarding, you know, his performance in the previous WrestleMania, that's where I became a Shawn Michaels guy, and I was number one on Shawn. However, at this point in time, I was also very – I thought Diesel was cool. I just thought there was something just cool about him, um, and I really liked him, and I, as, I was – in, in similar ways, I was very torn as to who I wanted to win this match because um, I liked them both so much. Very similar to how I felt about Hogan and Savage right. as, as the Mega Powers, because you know, in 1995, these two were my guys in the WWF, Diesel and Shawn. Right, right. Whether they were together, or they were apart, they were my guys. And so, um, you know, there, like you said, Shawn was the one that was throwing the touchdown passes to himself and really trying to get things done in that match. And I remember in particular as a kid that um, the, the, the interview, the post-match interview, when they had Shawn and Sid in the locker room, and, J- and I don't know if it was Todd Pettengill or Jay, I think it was Todd Pettengill, um, was interviewing them. And Sid made a good case for Shawn being robbed because yep. the referee was down, even though Sid was part of that reason why the referee was down. Yep. Sid made a good case when they showed the replay, and I remember watching that, and you might have watched it with me. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, I remember just thinking to myself at 12 years old, I was like, you know, he he kind of has a point. Like, he should be the champ. Yep. You know, as much as I like Diesel, I'm like, Sean did kind of get, you know, robbed so to speak but at the same time i was still happy that diesel won the title so and it's funny you say that too because like i like diesel i thought diesel was cool as well you know what i mean big daddy cool was awesome but uh you know looking back on it and even now like one like sean outshined him so much and and as well as elevated him and carried him through that match i felt like yeah that it all like he almost in the long term hurt diesel diesel was really never the same after that you know what That's I mean? That's a good point, They yeah. tried really hard with, you know, against Sid and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they tried. It just, but it just, there wasn't, there wasn't that same uh, appeal. He, it was almost like Sean, Sean lapped him that night. Yeah. And Diesel was never the same. And if you think about it, Diesel already had enough to compete with in terms of the hierarchy of the WWF. Bret Hart, The Undertaker. Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon, too. Yeah. yeah. And Diesel, I don't want to say he had a poor performance, but uh, he just he just it, it, he was it outshined. It wasn't his day. It wasn't it, his day. Well, I don't even want to say that because, like I said, he was a he was an equal dance partner, or he was a dance partner in that match. But Sean just so badly he just he he wrestled circles around Diesel. Yeah, and it to the point where, like I said, it just even in victory, it was like it would Diesel if Diesel had lost, he would have been better off. Yeah, but because he won, it was like you saw. That he wasn't deserving as champion be- over Sean because how good Sean was, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I know, I, I, I can. I so, can it, who was your MVP? I don't think we even. I didn't. I haven't yeah. even got there yet. No, we've been talking a lot about Sean. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, it's not Sean, although um, I was very close to you know putting him in this role, and it's not Lawrence Taylor. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you know that right now. It's not Lawrence Taylor. Um, although, did he win a Super Bowl MVP? Because that would have been a cool, cool little you know record for him to have. I don't think he did. No? I don't think... I could be wrong. Um, for those of you that do know, by all means, uh, drop us a DM, Facebook. WrestleMania and Super Bowl MVP would have yeah, been a nice little would, title for him. That would have been a nice little title for him as he gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, said no one ever. <laughs> um, at this rate, because he's a registered sex offender, I don't yeah, think it's going to happen. See. Yeah, maybe. Well, who knows? Anyhow, um, 
so when I was thinking about this, and there's like like we've said, there is a lot of crap on this show as well. Um, you made a great point that you know Sean was kind of the one that you know had to you know throw the touchdown pass himself and catch it and score um, because he was you know outperforming um, Diesel um, in that match. And I know we kind of talked about a little bit the performance that LT had in the main event with Bam Bam Bigelow and the expectations of it. Like I said, I remember as a kid, I didn't have any expectations that it was going to be a wrestling match. I had an expectation that it was going to be a fight. And and they delivered on that sense that it was a good fight. You know, it was just a down and dirty, um, you know, bare bones fight between the two of them. With a little bit of pro wrestling flash and flair, like I said, LT coming off the second rope for the finish, him even power bombing Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Um, people will, you know, regard this performance by Bam Bam Bigelow as, um, as really good and carrying LT and making that match watchable. On the other side of the coin, they will also argue that this was the end of him because he lost to a football player in the main event of WrestleMania. I don't necessarily agree with yeah, that, but I I'm going either. to give Bam Bam Bigelow the MVP status, and here's why. You knew what we had with Sean, okay, in his match with Diesel, based on his performance a year prior in the latter match. You knew what he was capable of. Like you said, and I'll say it again for the third time, he threw the touchdown and you know, threw the you know as the quarterback and scored the touchdown himself. Sean kept the team in the game, but it was Bam Bam Bigelow, in my opinion, in the fourth quarter. To bring it to you know a football analogy, ironically, was the one that scored the game-winning touchdown because he made that performance acceptable and watchable and believable with Lawrence Taylor. Seeing as the LT had no experience in that match and Bam Bam Bigelow had all the experience in the world, carrying that, making LT look good, and in my opinion, not making LT look like an equal, but it doesn't. It doesn't devalue my my opinion of Bam Bam Bigelow or look at him as less than because he lost to Lawrence Taylor. Oh, I would agree with so you there. So, if sure. anything, I feel like Sean kept him in the game, but it was Bam Bam Bigelow's performance anchoring that match with Lawrence Taylor and making it acceptable and watchable with him scoring the game-winning touchdown that makes that WrestleMania, as people will say it's the worst ever, but it made that it made that WrestleMania something to remember on that front. Uh, it's, that's I can't argue that you know I, I, I it's certainly um, he certainly deserves a lot of credit for for his efforts um, because for as as great as 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 a world class athlete as Lawrence Taylor was at that time he got he was pretty blown up having to work a wrestling match. Um, I know we've said before there's a difference between being in shape and being in ring shape, and he wasn't in ring shape, nor Clearly. should he be. As a non-worker, but you know, Bam Bam Bigelow had a big responsibility to that night, yep. and um, he doesn't get that just for being for having tattoos on his head. You know what I mean? He's he's he has he has chops. Yeah, you know. So that's you know he's def he was definitely a big player on the field that day for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, WrestleMania twelve. Um, Probably another WrestleMania, in my opinion, where it was a one-match or a two-match show, similar to WrestleMania 11. I wouldn't say that the show was as bad as WrestleMania 11, but um, the undercard was um, a, a lot less to be desired. Um, 
you know, full disclosure here, I've said this before, and I'll probably, you know, get a ton of shit for it, but I was not the biggest fan of Brett and Sean in the Iron Man. As, as good as it was, I was kind of bored with it at times throughout the match. I felt like an hour for them at a WrestleMania was too long. Um, I, there were moments where the match was good, but then there were other moments where I was just like, okay, like I just, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't grab me, not taking away their performance, not taking away who they are as athletes, but it just didn't grab me. Uh, maybe my wrestling viewing palette is a little bit different than others, uh, but I just didn't find, I didn't find excitement bell to bell for 60 minutes. You know what I mean? As a fan, I really didn't. Whereas this MVP, I felt throughout the course of um, the entire show of WrestleMania 12 was the the nucleus that kind of kept it together. Like I said, the rest of the card was a lot less to be desired. And I'm talking about the Hollywood mm. backlot brawl. I give that as my MVP performance of WrestleMania because it really kind of held things together for that show. That show was based around the Brett and Sean Iron Man. To some extent, Diesel and Undertaker. Yeah. But this match here was what kind of put it all together. Yeah. It dragged throughout the course of the night. It started in the back lot. Yeah, it was like it was that thread. Yeah. Through the, the night. That's I definitely could gave that great consideration. I thought I was yeah, as a fan. I was into that. You know. Yeah. What I mean, it was. You know, you say you know it was a one match show, but. That match was one of the matches on the marquee. Yeah. Roddy Piper was still a big name. Goldust yep. was hot. Yeah. You know, he was androgynous yeah. and, 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 and ahead androgynous. of his time. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was, you know, when, when they build a WrestleMania card and they build it around two, three, four matches, that was one of them that year. Um, and it delivered. So I can't, it, it, I definitely pondered that one for sure. Yeah. Um, who do you got? Uh, so, it would be easy for me to say Brett and Sean, as those are my two all-time favorites, and what I, in my opinion, one of the, it's definitely in the top five for me, and one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. However, it became that good of a match because of the commentary of Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. The storytelling and the color that they added to that match, which, like you said, was had, had a lot of rest periods and was... Very um, and rightfully so for sixty minutes. Yes, I don't want to say dry. The match wasn't dry, but it definitely um, it had a more sport, it had a, it had a more feeling of sport than mm-hmm. it had entertainment, more athletic uh, value than entertainment value. Yep. So that gets hard. That gets hard to watch. And but but if you follow the story that is being told, the soundtrack of it of Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler and the analytical. A strategy they they are they apply to the match and, and the rationale and the psychology that they're that they're kind of trying to draw out of each opponent as far as what their their uh, motivations are in the match what they need to do to win you know how many times especially because it ended in sudden death at one fault for Sean and zero for Brett a lot of the match was centered around Jerry Lawler and Vince pontificating the. The first man to score a fall is likely to win this. And how many times that near fall happened and, and when and anticipating that near fall happening. They just, to me, they kept you as best as they could for that hour engaged in the match despite the fact, like you said, it, was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, 
the typical WWF action that we were accustomed to because it was such a drawn-out match. Yep. So that's what I think made the match as great as it was. I could easily give it to Sean and Brett because they, they, uh, they made the plays, but the, the plays were called. By Vince. Yeah, they were the headsets. They were they were the the offensive and defensive yeah. coordinators, if you will, or they were given the signs. Okay. And they 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 gave it they gave the match more meaning in a way that I think fans of our generations had to catch on to the match because we weren't used to a style that was more popular in in the seventies. Okay. So the, the, that's my those are my MV. They, they take the honors. They share it. Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler. Moving on with the WrestleMania MVPs, we go to WrestleMania 13, the Rosemont Horizon, Chicago, Illinois, uh, a WrestleMania that, um, you know, uh, along the way uh, was very convoluted, the build-up towards it on a number of levels. Uh, someone lost their smile, and uh, there was a lot of confusion as to who was in the title picture and, you know, what what wrestler was going to face what wrestler here and there and um this was uh not the best wrestlemania overall and when people talk about this wrestlemania they remember one thing and that was the infamous submission match between bret hart and stone cold steve austin and for me i'm going to i don't think this is this is a very hard decision for me to choose who gets mvp status here that's stone cold steve austin and his performance in the match um with bret the Hitman Hart. He went from being, you know, one of the most hated uh, wrestlers at the time to that Chicago crowd really embracing that attitude that his character had and, and was really starting to distance themselves in terms of uh, uh, favoring Bret the Hitman Hart in that match. And uh, just his performance alone... Um, being, you know, he was like a he was like a mosquito at a barbecue that just wouldn't go away with Bret Hart, and he was, you know, he was just on Bret like the entire match, and just overall in general, I just felt like his performance was top notch, and that's the to me not just the image of him, you know, bleeding and the blood dripping down his face and passing out and not giving up in the sharpshooter, but that was like that to me that was a star making performance for Steve Austin, um, and at a WrestleMania that was extremely lackluster um, on, on, on a number of levels. So, for me, MVP goes to Stone Cold Steve Austin for WrestleMania 13. He's sharing it, in my opinion, with Brett. It takes two to tango, and, and Brett, uh, much like other important matches in WrestleMania's past that we've talked about, he, he was tasked with with taking a guy and, and making him a made man. And, um, you know, and, and history looks back nicely on this because Austin is as made a man as there's ever been. Um, and I think, again, it takes two to tango. And Brett, um, Brett's ability to, to help play that part in that story, um, to me, makes that... It's one of the best matches in the history of WrestleMania, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, and um, It's a top five. Yeah. And, and, and again, the, the veteran of that group being Brett, you know, is tasked with... Not carrying Steve Austin by any means, but but certainly being the one who's who's uh, who's authoring the story for sure. Um, I think he he deserves equal recognition for for how that went down, um, and for being able to convincingly play the assume the role as the bad guy just as much as Austin assumed the role as the the never say die hero. You know, Brett took the mantle as as heel and became arguably the top heel in the business from that point on. Or would become that eventually, but um, it started there. So his ability to make that execute that to the T 
I think gives me the, uh, in my opinion, puts them both as MVPs of this show. I'm not I'm not discrediting Brett's involvement in this match whatsoever, his performance and what he contributed to um, helping make Austin a star. I think for me personally, um, I didn't see. I didn't see, uh, you know, going into this match, I didn't feel like it was going to be like a star, star-studded performance from Stone. Maybe my expectations were low for this match, and I think that was a, that had a lot to do with the way that the card was changing and things were changing because of the stuff behind the scenes. So this was like the the biggest bright spot that eventually turned into like the the sole memory of that WrestleMania. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? So like that's where I see like I didn't I didn't expect Austin to be made into a, a, a huge star after this. Oh, going, and, going and, into the match, and let's so. and let's be clear too. Like I don't think any either of us were were of sound mind to to say with any type of you know experience. Austin's a made man right now. Of course, we look back on it that way for sure. But I would agree with you in that you know it was a very combustible, tumultuous period for the company in those you know few months in yeah. WrestleMania season. Probably unlike any other in history, WrestleMania season had a lot of twists and turns that year. Um, and I think this, like you said, it was it was the constant. It was the for sure thing almost in many respects because of the history of these two developed very quickly. Yep. Um, uh, the, the 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 hate. That they had, and I, I, I still, as much as I hold Austin in in a, an elite class as a fan of Bret Hart, still kind of hate the guy because of the. <laughs> ri- that's how good the rivalry was, you know yeah. what I mean? That, oh, and yeah. you knew you were going to get that. Oh yeah. So if if it was almost like it was almost like you know you know it, uh, it was a sure thing, as sure as Tom Brady in a Super Bowl or Mariano Rivera in a World Series, you knew this one was going to really be the show and, and even though it wasn't for the title everyone knew that was the that was the match yeah no one really cared about Sid and the Undertaker no I think although Sid had it was the best part of Sid's career and but you know people were just done with Sid at that point it eventually got to the point where they were it was an afterthought yeah I think too a lot of the like I said a lot of the changes that were made um stemming from stuff behind the scenes that you know unfolded in front of the camera um kind of turned people off, at least for me, regarding some parts of this WrestleMania. I right. was a little disappointed that Shawn Michaels wasn't a part of it as a Shawn Michaels fan, um, whether his injury was legitimate or not. Um, his participation, even 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 you know as a teenager, he says he loses his smile. He's got to go home and, 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 and rest up and take care of his knee and, 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 and you know check himself, so to speak. And yet, a month later, he shows up walking down the aisle yeah. just fine at WrestleMania, you know, and, and, and commentating on the main event. Like, I was just like, really? Like, so it would have been better if you weren't a part of the show in some yeah, ways. Yeah, and, 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 and so many of us, even not being, you know, the smartest of fans then, still had this belief up until the Shawn lost his smile that we were going to see Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart mix it up again. The rematch. And no disrespect to Shawn Michaels, but... Whatever shit you had going on in your life took that away from us. Oh, at yeah. At least in the short term. So Absolutely. Almost more so credit to not just Brett and Austin, but the company in general to, to, to adjust on the fly and to make that happen and to create, like, 
if just a ma- and again, we're not trading places here, but imagine Shawn Michaels doesn't lose a smile. We don't get this match. Yeah, exactly. And how different the world of wrestling is. I mentioned. I mean, I made, it's I amazing. Made mention, I made mention of that on the uh, the in your house final four trading places uh, just from a few weeks ago, which you can find in the archives over at facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two or over at soundcloud.com. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of what if scenarios I threw on the table out there on that episode. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I can't take away Brett's contributions, but for me, um, it's almost like one of those situations where it's like I look at the MVP as someone who delivers in a moment that you didn't expect. I knew what I was getting with Brett. I didn't know I was getting with Austin in some right, right. So that's why I kind of gave Austin the sole um, you know, uh, ownership of the WrestleMania MVP. Uh, moving on to WrestleMania 14 from the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts in uh, March of 1998. Uh, I, you know, We ordered this pay-per-view as young kids because it was uh, the involvement of Mike Tyson um, was very um, appealing, uh, being a part of the main event with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels. But for me personally, I'm just going to come out and say it without too much, uh, you know, sizzle behind it. I'm going to give the entire show, the whole team gets the MVP mm. nod <laughs> for this for this WrestleMania because top to bottom, this was an entertaining, fun show for the two and a half, three hours that I watched. Even the Battle Royal was fun with the Legion of Doom returning. Um, the dumpster match, Kane and Undertaker's story, The Rock and Ken Shamrock, you know, Sable and the performance she put on in that mixed tag team match, um, the, the light heavyweight title match, I mean, and then of course the main event. I mean, this was the the best of the best at that time of the WWF, all under one roof. Putting it all out there, it was almost like, in many ways, a reintroduction or a rebranding of the World Wrestling Federation for all to see. And it was just, a, it's a fun, awesome show. The commentary, too, everything about it, I really enjoy. And I'm going to, this is a team effort here. So, like we say in, in sports, um, yeah, the, the entire team, the entire show gets my nod as the WrestleMania MVP. Um, I can't. I don't disagree with the, the the quality of the show, and this was definitely one of the best team efforts in WrestleMania history. It's definitely one of the better WrestleManias of all time. But um, I think for kind of the reason you had mentioned, this was a reintroduction, a rebranding of, of the WWF at the time. And in many ways, it was it was kind of the same thing that Hulk Hogan was asked to do at WrestleMania 1, but this was being asked of Steve Austin. They're going with Steve. And Steve Austin was the, was the new the new guy on top, and to me, he's the MVP for for. While it was very, while it was a coronation of him officially, if you will, yeah. Um, and it was, it was too good not to fuck up. You know what I mean? It was like the nineteen twenty seven Yankees at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. Like if they lost, it's because someone shut the power off. You know yeah. what I mean? Or you know someone Tanya Harding, Babe Ruth, you know at the plate before he hits the home run. Um, it's uh, to me, it's Steve Austin because he's he's, you know, it's it was about that main event was about making him, and you could certainly credit Shawn Michaels for for having to to, to work that match given his his uh, career ending back injury. But I think you know the 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 game plan for the show was to reintroduce this new WWF attitude, and the man at the forefront of that leading the charge, Steve Austin had to come up look smell like roses, unlike any other before and um they executed it they yeah. they every 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 play they, they they hit it on the mark and they scored 
and that was um, while they probably certainly already won the game before that match even took place. Um, that was like a route, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Steve Austin's performance um, set the tone for um, what ended up being with you know arguably the not arguably the most prosperous period of, in the history of of the WWF in terms of you know popularity is concerned. So yes, this uh, it's Steve Austin for me in my opinion because you know. He was he was asked to be the, the 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 leader of the group, and he led the charge and continued to do so. And the rest is history. I can't disagree with you there. Um, I still I still strongly feel that the team, um, the collaborative effort amongst everyone on the roster, um, made for a great reintroduction of the company and made WrestleMania to me WrestleMania 14 is in my top five of all time greatest WrestleManias overall. Oh, of course. Um, so I, I, but you make some great points there. But I'm going to stick with my my pick um, was the uh, you know the entire collaborative effort of the roster that night. That's fair. It's a stacked team. Make, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was everyone that you know was was coming together to to, to make one of the most entertaining shows possible. Um, why don't you uh, Why don't you kick things off with WrestleMania 15, 1999, Philadelphia. Um. It's staying in the same house with Steve Austin, in my opinion, you know, as the leader of the charge and in a, in a, in a, in a um, great story that was told, probably that arguably started the very next night after WrestleMania 14 with his rivalry with Mr. McMahon really kicking into high gear and, and the, uh, the chase that ensued for, for him to recapture the title that he lost, you know, along the way, um, you know, and, and while The Rock was certainly a huge player in that, um, you know the the audience. I just recall because we. I, I recall us getting that pay per view yep. and watching it, and had a bunch of people. And, with and, that and one. it was a, it was a big deal. It was a big. You know, it's not like it wasn't. It, it was. It, it's not like it was predict. It was unpredictable. You know, Steve Austin was getting that belt back. Yeah, that's exactly what we wanted. Yep, exactly. And, you know what I mean? And 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 the celebration, the beer bash, like, you know, the the, the team, the WWF was running away with what was the war. Yeah, that was. In my opinion, another over. route. Yeah, they yeah. were routing them, and a lot of great performances overall. But um, I think there would have been a very poor taste in the mouth of a lot of fans if Steve Austin didn't leave Philadelphia as the champion, and if if they didn't get uh, a Stone Cold Steve Austin who raised hell and put on a performance that he was known for putting on at that time. So yeah, Steve Austin, I think, takes it home again. Yeah, uh, I mean, once again, you know, I, I can't disagree with you. Um, I was uh, I was kind of torn. I was going to put Austin and Rock in the main event um, as, as my MVP, um, but I, was, I, I like I said at the beginning of this this recording, uh, I'm going cowboy with some of these picks, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, as predictable as the story was, it was still entertaining. There are times where we watch wrestling currently where things are so predictable that there's no entertainment value in it, and we just kind of lose interest in it in some regards yep. um, with some stories. Most of you out there will probably say today's current WWE is so predictable, it's terrible, yet you still fucking watch. So guess what? They got you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyhow... Um, I'm going to go a different route here, and I'm going to go along the same vein that I did with Bam Bam Bigelow, but giving this MVP for WrestleMania 15 to X-Pac. Ooh, I like that. X-Pac, okay, as edgy and as rebellious as that character was being a part of D-Generation X, because of his 
you know, his size and his stature and how he was presented on TV, he made you he made you feel sympathetic for him. As cool and as, as edgy as he was, you had that you had that fine line of you know, looking at him and, and, and in some ways looking up to him, you know, as a rebellious figure and, and, uh, but at the same time also looking at him and be, feeling sorry and sympathetic for him for the way that he was able to take a beating and for the way he yeah. was able to come back from adversity, especially in this role against Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon was, you know, just a, a character on television, the, the son of Vince McMahon, part of the corporation, the boss's son. He had had a little bit of physical involvement here and there there as a referee getting bounced around a little bit but to me x-pac made shane mcmahon look like a credible athlete yeah. and a threat in that match and in the build-up to that match to the point where you and shane mcmahon was so obnoxious and annoying that you wanted to see x-pac kick his head off or punch his you know punch punch him out and knock his lights out whatever the case is you wanted to see x-pac get that revenge and the and the surprising performance that shane mcmahon put out as well can't go unnoticed either i mean there was no expectations in my opinion for 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 the match to be as competitive as it was from Shane McMahon, you know, and, and X Pac. However, it surprised a lot of people, and because X Pac played a a very sympathetic underdog very well, despite still having that cool edginess to him, he he did a tremendous job making Shane McMahon look almost as equal as him. And there were certain things that were there were certain you know dressings, so to speak, that were that were added to this salad, if you want to call it, um, when it came to you know the presentation with the, the the Mean Street Posse at ringside, involvement of the corporation, eventually Triple H and China, who had just reunited earlier in the night, now turning on X Pac. The whole thing, as, as random as it was for Triple H to turn on X-Pac, and I thought it was cool it came out of nowhere, but to me, X-Pac, he takes it as far as MVP goes because of what he was able to do and elevate Shane McMahon. You know, I'm going to walk mine back as well. I think, <laughs> wow. I, I think, you know what, there are, and you know what, to be fair, I think, you know, I get a, a little too carried away in many, in some of these uh, picks with, with the importance of someone delivering when they're expected to. And, you know, in many cases, you look back at a championship game or a Super Bowl and you've got an oddball, you've got a, a, an irregular, um, not-everyday player that uh, that makes big plays and, 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 and makes some lasting moments. And I think you, you make a good case for X-Pac here where I think I, I could I could go with, you know, you know, Scott Brocious wins the World Series MVP for the Yankees one year and he's an afterthought. Win yeah. pinstripes. I think you can call X Pac maybe the Scott Brocious of of the WWF at the time. It was around that time, nineteen ninety nine, actually. So, I mean, I, yeah, skilled as all hell, and 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 yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk mine back. Steve Ralston already, in my opinion, he already has a couple MVP trophies, so he, you know, X Pac can take this one home. All right, all right, very. I didn't think I'd walk one back. I, that's that's kind of you know what that's that's kind of cool that I was able to <laughs> I was able to you know talk you out of out of the, the the Steve Austin MVP nod. Final two here for part one of our WrestleMania MVPs uh, going to the year two thousand uh, WrestleMania two thousand, or some might call it WrestleMania sixteen if you're following you know numerically. Um, 
you want to kick things off, or do you want me to? Do you see? Have- I looked at this WrestleMania as like WWE's All Star Game. The war was over. You know, the the team had very much handed a very you know sound defeat sound defeat of the opponent. Yeah. Down in Atlanta, even though the game was still being played, um, and this one, the absence of Steve Austin was an afterthought. You know, despite him being the main player. You had The Rock and Triple H and Mick Foley, you know, picking up the slack and and next guy up. And I felt that while those guys put on a fantastic performance and the stories that intertwined with the McMahons and all those players in that match was a very big deal, I felt like this WrestleMania was like an all-star game, an NBA all-star game where they're alley-ooping it to... To the bench players, just just because it's so the game is so out of reach, and yep. and the guys that were that were catching those alley oops and slamming them down were the guys jumping off ladders and through tables with the TLC, with the tr- three way ladder match, the triangle ladder, the triangle match, ladder yeah. match of the Hardys versus Edge and Christian that, and the Dudleys. That's my M- that full disclosure. That's my MVP as well. But continue. Yes, they 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 they, they in many ways. Stole the show. They over delivered. Yeah. Even over delivered to the point where it's like, that's not even necessary. You did enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, you know, to kind of steal some words from JR in that sense, you know, they, they put on an unforgettable match. My opinion, full disclosure, I think it is the best match of the, of the, the TLC matches, the triangle ladder matches, TLC, whatever you want to call them. Um, my opinion, it's the best. But, um, yeah, those guys, um, all six of them, they newcomers, new kids on the blocks in a lot of respects. Um, yeah, MVPs. They took home the trophy. They made all they made all the plays. The, they made the biggest plays, excuse me. You you make a great point in regards to like, you know, um, saying to yourself like, "Oh guys, you didn't have to do that. Like you already won the game." Um, that moment for me was when they put the table on top of the two ladders yes. to make like that bridge. At that point, I was like, "What the hell are they going to do? Is Bubba going to throw somebody off and power bomb?" That's him? what like, I thought too. You know, like I was I actually disappointed they didn't break that part of that table. And, well, no, I was so thirsty for it. <laughs> well, they, well, they couldn't break the table that was bridging the ladder. But what you know, the finish obviously came when when Edge had like tossed Matt Hardy and he did the somersault through the table in the ring. Yeah, but that like that platform that they created with the two, I was. When, when they put that up there, and the that, that probably got, you know, one of the biggest pop. Then that whole match was a, a one big giant pop for the entire oh, evening. Absolutely. But if if you want to talk like biggest pops, I think it was when the Dudleys did that and they put the table up and created that platform. It was like. Holy cow! They're gonna kill someone, or someone's gonna get killed. Like I just thought, I just had the picture in my head that like Bubble was gonna power bomb a guy off there, yeah. you know, after what he had done in previous weeks to fucking May Young, of all people. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like it, every, it was the Wild West back then. So Absolutely. everything was off, and nothing was off the table at that point. So no, no pun intended. Um, yeah, like you said, all-star game, and, you know, they let the... And I wouldn't necessarily call Edge and Christian, the Hardys and the Dudleys, bench players. Role players, but, let's but call I, them. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's like they, wrong they, word. Yeah, they, let the, they didn't let the stars of the show necessarily 
hog all the glory. They yeah. let the role players kind of have a major role, and in the sense, the role players stole the show by by their performance. Yeah. You know, and we can go on and on about all the stuff that took place in that match and all the moments that have made the the, the highlight reels in WrestleMania history that you can find on WWE Network. But uh, yeah, the, to me, those three teams and what they did um, was truly unbelievable. Really, it, it raised the bar for matches like that. We've talked about how Shawn Michaels in the ladder match in, in 1994, you know, set the bar. These guys raised the bar and, and exceeded expectations that, you know, weren't necessarily there to begin with. Um, the final one, the last one, WrestleMania 17, argued as the greatest WrestleMania of all time, top to bottom. The, the best the best played game by the, the by the WWF team probably ever to this day. And with on you, any given night. With you saying that, I'm gonna give this another team effort here. This Ooh. you know, we talked about WrestleMania 14 being the reintroduction, the rebranding of the World Wrestling Federation. This WrestleMania was the celebration of winning the war. In, 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 in many respects, in my opinion. You got the best of the best from the Attitude Era um, co- collaboratively from 1998 into 2001. And the roster that they created, to me, like, I, I just, I, I can't give it to one individual, one performance, um, one match, because... You know, I think what helped too was the fact that, like, like I said, this was a celebration of them winning the war. This was the first time in a number of years since WrestleMania eight, so eleven years that they held a WrestleMania in a stadium. Yeah, and you know, cosmetically, how that looked and how that came across from two thousand and one production standards and all the all the stars aligning and all the guys involved. Obviously, in my opinion, and you may differ, but greatest WrestleMania of all time. I would argue. I wouldn't argue that. No, um, and and, and a team effort in making that happen from every match on the card. Every match on the card had had importance and was and had memorable moments. Whether they were shorter, whether they were longer, there was something about each match that everyone got into. Well told stories. Yeah, team effort here. Team yeah. WWF taking the MVP status for WrestleMania 17. Yeah, um, definitely the gold standard for pro wrestling supercards. I don't care if they're in bingo halls or you know in Japan somewhere. This is this is the gold standard um, for for big 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 shows. Um, but I'm gonna give it to one person, and I'm gonna give it to this person for two reasons. Uh, the first one being this man's performance throughout the entire night. Um, the man just defeated a billionaire by becoming one himself, Vince McMahon. And that guy doesn't have to step into a ring and get his ass kicked yeah, in a he, match and take a beating. He took a shit kick. Unlike him. anyone yeah. that night. And played his part, played his role in one of the hottest angles going in the WWF at the time with the divorce angle and the you know the family feuding with his son was was big time stuff for and and you know the, the build to WrestleMania huge yeah and then to then come out at the, and make his presence known in the main event alongside his running mate in many respects Stone Cold Steve Austin through this through this war his his top soldier yeah um was very very poetic I think 
And while the reception of such a, a bad guy turn for Steve Austin it has, it hasn't been looked at kindly in history, at the time I was optimistic about it. I wanted to see that turn. Same with me. A lot of people did. And it yeah. wasn't a surprise in many respects. People were kind of... It was loosely talked about. Yeah. People were, were thinking it was coming. So it just... Circumstances after the fact just allowed didn't allow it to flourish the way it could have. Um, but uh, that's hindsight. Um, but again, Vince McMahon is the MVP. He he uh, he had a, an outstanding performance that on almost any other WrestleMania's match of the night. Um, but such a loaded card, it, it just it's equal to that's everything why I can't in many pick a respects. Match even yeah, yeah, and. and um, and again, just just the the reward at the end of the night, almost like I said, poetically and, and imitating life through art, the 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 victory, the coronation, uh, the changing of the tides in sports entertainment. This Vince McMahon is the Lord, Savior, King, and the Man of all things sports entertainment, and it's very much shown, you know, to close out the show and throughout his his uh, his efforts all night. So MVP nod to me goes to really the the mastermind of it all of wrestlemania the wwe and everything that happens on a daily basis with that company and this ain't brown knows by any stretch you know it's all made possible because of the genius of vince mcmahon i'm sure some of the guys on the save american wrestling group will will, will, will beg to differ with you and i'd love yeah. to see a debate with you and some of those yeah guys. well some it, of you and those assholes. well you know what and again a few of them out there i'm calling you, you out know, his his genius his genius is uh is is obviously well documented and like I said, he don't have to go in there and mix it up and roll his sleeves up and get in the trenches with his soldiers but he at all. But he did, yeah. and and that further builds the team that we talk about here and have for, throughout this this uh, episode is the team effort of WrestleMania year in and year out. In that you know he's going to work harder than everybody else, and that's going to be the example to put on the level of performance that is demanded at WrestleMania every year, which is we. The showcase of immortals, and and you know, that's that's the performance that is that is necessary to be an MVP. And Vince McMahon exemplified that at WrestleMania 17. I think you said it best. I don't think there's any 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 argument there. Um, thank you for 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 helping me count down all these MVPs for part one of our WrestleMania MVPs. We will continue this conversation with part two in two weeks on March the 27th when we cover WrestleMania's 18 to 34 from the years 2002 to 2018. Just last year, we're going to give you all of our MVPs. Same format, um, you know, same cowboy instinct. I'm going I'm I'm to have some doozies in there, that's for sure. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that in two weeks on March the 22nd, WrestleMania MVPs part two. Next week, March the 20th, the 25th anniversary of the 10th WrestleMania, WrestleMania 10 from Madison Square Garden. We talked about it a little bit. Shawn Michaels and his performance in the ladder match. Bret Hart and his performance against his brother Owen in the opening match to then culminating in the championship. Jamie Garabedian and I do a watch-along on WWE Network for that show. So have your WWE Network ready so you can listen to the alternate commentary while we're watching WrestleMania 10. Uh, don't forget to tune in later this week. 
week, moleholeradio.com, retromania.blogspot.com, and iTunes and any other podcast platforms out there for Kobe and I as we are marking out the days covering March the 14th in professional wrestling history. All kinds of great stuff covering WrestleMania 20 and old Saturday night's main event, WCW Uncensored 1997, some birthdays, people passing away, all that so much more each and every Thursday, Kobe Knight and I marking out the days. And with that being said, I think it's about that time that we put this show down for the three count. We've addressed all the MVPs for part one of this WrestleMania retrospective, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>